Shalom, zdravo. Hi, everybody. I'm Nathan, the host of this podcast. And tonight, I'm honored to be joined by Amadina Bachevats. Uh, Amadina is a Bosnian refugee with a degree in history education. Growing up as a refugee and going to a diverse public school while trying to learn English has really taught her the valuable lessons of empathy, dedication, and cultural un understanding firsthand. Learning English as a second language has spurred her passion for teaching as well. And she now tutors English and the Bosnian, Serbian, and Croatian languages online. Hi, Amadina. How are you doing? Hey, Nathan. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I love what you're doing here. Um, I'm doing amazing. I'm here talking to you from Italy I'm, since I'm working remotely. So I'm doing quite well. How are you? Uh, doing well, thank you. Yeah. So I just wanted to start off with um, the question I ask um, every guest on this show. And it's, if you could have a dinner with four two with any historical figure, who would it be? And what would you really want to talk about? Yeah. Okay. So this is a really hard question. Um, just being a history teacher, I have so many thoughts on it to be good people, but I would have to go with MLK. I think I was just thinking about with everything going on in the world and then more specifically in the U.S. where I live and then the protests that were going on in summer 2020, like everything is still on my heart with police brutality, the issues are still there. And there's just a lot of justice that still needs to be served. Um, and so I guess what I admire about MLK is just his leadership and selflessness for having helped lead such a movement. And so I just think that he could have been killed way soon before he was. And I'm sure he knew that that was a risk this whole time, but he still was courageous and brave and and then, of course, leading the movement with nonviolence in mind was also something that I think is really important. And maybe we should take another look at um, for the future. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I would want to talk about with him is I would want to ask him if he would change anything that he did. And I would also want to know how he would handle the, or think about how would he solve the current issues in the U.S., um, specifically with racism and the ongoing issues with police brutality. And I know that's like a really big question, and we're all trying to think of what that solution would be, but I would want to know what his take on, what his take on, to stop these issues would be like, what do we need to do? Do we need to protest more in different ways? Do we need to march? Do we need to boycott and not stop until we see what we want? Does it have to be in the more extreme ways in order to achieve? Do we need to boycott and not stop until we see what we want? Does it have to be on that extreme of a level where we all have to come together and join in the movement or can it just be one person? Like, I just want to know how to stop it because 
when I hear about everything going on in the world and all these catastrophic events, all the injustice, and I just think about how we could stop it. I'm a very emotional person, but I'm also a very solution oriented person. And I just hate the feeling of helplessness. Like what is, what is there even for us to do with the Taliban taking over in Afghanistan, the issues of Colombia and COVID and like, what do we do to start all of this change? And I don't know. I want to know if he would still agree if MLK would still agree to solve these issues nonviolently. And I don't know. It just makes me so sad thinking of all the things happening in the world. Like right now, there's probably a girl in Afghanistan hiding somewhere, trying to read how to learn a book because she can't choose to go get an education. And whereas I can go, I have the privilege of being able to go do that any day. So I just admire him for change. And I want to know how to do it. <laughs> yeah, um, Martin Luther King Jr., definitely someone that at least I personally studied a lot in school with probably he was the keystone, the stepping stone to spurring the whole the Black Lives Matter movement that we see nowadays. But it started with the civil movement mm -hmm. back in the past. Um, but I was just wondering, do you have any perhaps personal ideas on what you think really the root issues of the systematic racism and discrimination um, comes from and where you think we can do as like everyday people to sort to help at least alleviate that okay so i think a lot of it could stem from just people not knowing and i think it could be solved by just going out and talking to people who don't look or think like you challenge yourself within these conversations and ask yourself why you think why you have the beliefs that you do and honestly break them down and have the dialogue and it's all about checking yourself too and standing up for for things when um at the thanksgiving dinner table when you know something's wrong you should bring it up instead of saying quiet to yourselves because the longer we let things go on and be said and ignored, the longer we have the issues. And then every organization, school, church, hospital, whatever, can should think about what ways are they limiting access or equality, quote unquote, for all in the, within their organization. And what steps can they take in order to alleviate those and just commit to those every day and be willing to learn and make mistakes and mistakes and be open and honest and you have to you have to want the change too and yeah um i totally agree with that understanding being able to see through multiple perspectives and lenses is definitely fundamental for us to solve this change that's been that started since probably before the colonial era but that's where it really social mm -hmm. darwinism really came from mm -hmm. um i guess it's just right. i feel it's really admirable how much empathy and cultural understanding you've developed and on that note i think um just i what are some of your own experiences as a Bosnian refugee like? What happened and how has that 
shaped the way you look at social at history, social justice issues like we talked about, peace and the role of the international community in all of this? Okay, so to tell you a little bit about my story, both of my parents are from Bosnia. And during the time of the Bosnian War, they were looking to escape, of course. And at the time, Germany was taking in Bosnian refugees. So they got lucky and went to Germany. And they were living there for a couple of years. And that is where I was born in Ulm. And two years after that, the Bosnian War was over. And uh, the U.S. was taking in Bosnian refugees at the time, too. And my parents either had to make the choice to go to war-ridden Bosnia or pick up again and become refugees for technically a second time around in a whole other country, which I really admire them for. Um, And they went with the U.S. so that I could have more opportunities and just just so that I could have more opportunities for my own life. So growing up, I was an only child. And I remember from a very young age having to translate these important documents and doctor's visits because, well, once I learned English, which was in kindergarten. Um, and I remember my parents worked different shifts so that when my dad worked the morning shift and then my mom worked the night shift so that one of them would always be at home with me. And from a young age, I learned, learned the, from a young age, I learned what hard work meant and looked like because I saw them come from literally nothing in a country of not knowing the language and having no money in order to, you know, we didn't have anything fancy, but I always had a roof over my head and food and they always made sure that I could, I had what I needed. And it just really makes me admire them for all that they did to me. And it, not only for me, but it also opens my eyes to how many other families and people go through this and and there's a huge refugee population all over the world with everything going on so I just can't imagine how much harder other people had it too because I know it wasn't it's not always this easy I know some people go through camps and so many more hoops in order to even have the chance to be a refugee and I'm just really grateful for the opportunity that we had and that others still have today and it's just a sad thing that people have to leave their countries their culture and assimilate into a completely different one in order to just live And the way that that affects how I look at history is just for something so horrible to have happened to my people in Bosnia and for so many people to still not know about it, it kind of makes it feel like it's 
not important. And I'm not saying this to sound like, oh my God, care about my country. Uh, it's so important. It's more like, it just opens my eyes and makes me wonder what else have we as a society missed in history and what all else is going on. And it just shows me that everyone and every nation has its own story. It also shows me that every, that beautiful, it also shows me that beautiful things can come from atrocity or bad things happening. And I was actually going to start my own YouTube channel documenting the lives of people during the Bosnian war, but more on a positive note, because during my research, something that I found was it was just beautiful to me how much humans could go through and endure and still get out of it and be okay and make a beautiful life for themselves. So it just shows me that how much all humans can overcome and even more how much more they could overcome with the help of other people. And we need social justice in order to have peace. We need people to be empathetic and want to help others. And I think the role of the international community, I realize is very important. Um, and thinking back to with the Bosnian war without the, without the UN coming in and stopping things, how many more people would have been slaughtered? How many more women would have been raped? How many, had, how many more things would have happened? I just, how much longer would it all have gone on until the Serbs got what they wanted? How many people would have starved to death had the U.S. not sent in cans of meat and bags of flour? I think we all need to come together as a world and just help each other because you know, because that's it. And um, from that, um. Is there a story perhaps that your parents told you or you went through as a kid that you that's very memorable to you that you found very impactful about the Bosnian war? So my parents actually aren't very open about the Bosnian war to me. I think there's still a lot of trauma there uh, for them and also the rest of the country. I don't think that it has ever been fully processed for them because of just lack of mental health awareness and things like therapy and yeah, no worries. yeah they're just not very open <laughs> yeah it's oh these atrocities it's partially why it's so tough it's the ptsd of it we were actually studying recently in our english class about ptsd after the vietnam war war the sorrow of war for the soldiers and that these things really stick with you so on that note, um, there's this, I guess, idiomatic saying that, or just old traditional saying that I wanted to bring up. It says, um, they, the ancestors, they plant the trees so the future generations can really enjoy the shade. So I think it would be appropriate mm -hmm. to just take a moment.
to for everyone listening to just if you have time maybe pause the podcast go say thank you to someone who's really been meaningful in your life but with that said um i think it's also very important to look back at history to not only prevent it from repeating itself especially its tragedies and also to go back and admire its heroes like mlk back in the past so um do you, what do you think really is the value of more oral history or like it being passed down from family to family from generation to generation or since um considering the fact that um you mentioned your parents aren't very open maybe just history in general it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. specific to oral history when you first mention oral history i think all the way back to the griots of west africa literally all we know about them is because of oral history and i think it's so cool that they took all that time to make sure that their stories and morals and folktales were always passed down and their creative ways of coming up with remembering a family name. I think there's something so beautiful in that. And I think it's just so important for us to know our own story and just hearing someone's tone and voice when they tell you a story of history versus reading it just helps you become more empathetic on a whole other level and it makes you be able to feel what that person went through more and helps us learn the multiple perspectives that are within each event the value of oral history in and of itself is first the knowledge of knowing and then taking what you learned from what had happened before and applying it to yourself and your own life and taking these lessons and just the only thing we can do as a society is to make the world better each day with something anything make the world a better place each day whether that be one random act of kindness one Mm -hmm. yeah certainly i think that oral history it's a lot about the emotional aspect about the empathy i think that's something that um you you do extremely well so do you have any maybe suggestions on how we can be more empathetic and just build that value in ourselves i would say two main things you can do first ask and then listen but you want to listen better than you asked because listening just doesn't mean that you heard it. I want, I think we need to take a second step and go toward understanding and empathizing and putting ourselves in the shoes of that person and what they must have gone through. And okay. Um, then finally, um, as a person who is very passionate about languages, I'm me myself, I'm also a big fan. I really believe that the value in language extends beyond just speaking it, but being able to connect on a deeper level with different people that I meet. Um, so what do you think is the value of languages, especially in preserving history? Ooh, this is a really good question. Oh, okay. So I think 
in my own personal life, the way that I've seen this play out is when I decided that I would be interested in starting a YouTube channel to preserve the stories of what people had gone through through the Bosnian War, it made me want to perfect my Bosnian even more just to help with understanding each part of what they had said. And there's just so much, I don't know, Google Translate can truly translate for you. So there's just a lot of power in truly knowing, knowing the language of itself and then helping pass that on. And also, not only that is... I feel like Bosnian is a pretty rare language to know and there's no way that I could be able to share the stories of the Bosnian survivors had I if I'm not being able to translate it back and therefore I can't share it with the rest of the world and then that helps it to not be something that's forgotten you know you might have heard of the event Srebrenica um you might have heard about the event, um, the, hold on. Okay, you might have heard about the Srebrenica massacre during the Bosnian War. And something that came from that is this motto, if you will, that's called, that's, um, that said, never forget Srebrenica. And something in my studies was that I saw was people already don't know about Srebrenica. So how are they going to not forget it if they don't know about it? So part of the role with the languages is the key to sharing their story and preserving it for the rest of the world. Yeah, I think um, languages, from my personal experience as well, knowing to speak a language and being able to think in that language with its colloquialisms and its intricacies is two very different things and history needs to be preserved as objectively as possible. Although in my mm -hmm. opinion, history is very subjective. Go ahead. So um, were there any difficulties being a refugee going up and in what ways has that shaped you? The first thing that comes to mind is language. And since I learned English in kindergarten and my parents came not knowing any English and they were older, and so learning another language was already very difficult for them. So it was kind of on me to be the translator. But within that, I remember people being so kind and helpful whenever we were having difficulties with something so simple like making a doctor's appointment people would be so patient and willing to help and I think that's something that has helped shape me and made me a more patient person made me more empathetic made me more understanding and willing to help people and it's honestly one of the reasons why I went back to become a teacher and I was originally teaching in the same community that I grew up in in Nashville Tennessee and those schools have the schools that I was working in had high 
populations of immigrants and refugees. And so it's something that I always valued um, having that background and made me really want to help other people in the same shoes because I know what it's like. I know how difficult it is coming from nothing. And it's just the, the work ethic, the dedication, the keep the perseverance of immigrants and refugees is something that's always going to inspire me to do more and be a better person. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of goes back to the theme of today's podcast. It's really about kindness and how that can really just make society more pleasant to live in. Um, you also mentioned that your parents don't really like to talk too much because it's kind of painful for them. Um, feel free to not answer this question because I understand it gets into sensitive territory. But do you think it could have something to do with survivor's guilt? Hmm. You know, Nathan, that's something that I honestly haven't thought about. But I honestly don't know. Maybe it is part of how they feel. I'm going to ask them about that and maybe let you know. But yeah, okay, yeah, no, no worries at all. It's just that um, that answer really reminded me of a piece of a book, a graphic novel that I was reading recently called Mouse by Art Spiegelman that um, really recounted the Nazi regime in a new and original way. And the main character's father also really um, found it difficult to express himself to the main character during the whole thing due to all the trauma left behind by having to run away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, yeah, I think there has to be a lot there and it's definitely something that I'll look into. Uh, thank you, Amadina. It was really interesting today to hear about how growing up as a refugee, as well as your love for languages, and exposure to kindness have really shaped your views and perspectives and how we can all do our job through developing empathy and helping make this world a better place. I really hope that everyone watching also enjoyed this talk as much as I did. And um, that's it for today. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Nathan. Ciao. Ciao. I hope you enjoyed this episode of History for Two. Please share this podcast with your friends and tune in for other episodes. You can also find full video episodes on the website www.history42.com.